Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Amen. Tonight's subject is overtaking the chariot. Overtaking the chariot. Let's look to the word of the Lord in the book of Acts, chapter number 8 and verse 26. Continuing our series in the book of Acts. Scripture says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities, till he came to Caesarea. Can you say amen? Amen. Overtaking the chariot. Overtaking the chariot. <clears throat> the Queen of Sheba in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 10, journeyed from the territory of Ethiopia to come and see the temple that Solomon and Israel had built unto the Lord. And she was so impressed with that temple and so overcome by it, the Bible says that she fainted within herself as she saw the priest sacrificing and saw the priest ministering before the Lord. That type of worship, that type of atmosphere, all of the singing, all of the teaching, all of the prophesying was unlike anything she had ever seen. She was from a pagan nation. A nation that worshipped false gods and did uh, rituals before their gods. And she thought that was power. She thought that's how you contacted the spirit world. But coming into a wholesome atmosphere, 
coming in into an atmosphere where there were no rituals, but instead everything was peacefully done, peacefully, all in order, peacefully done to please God. And she could feel the power of the living God. She was overcome by it. And you see that happening in the modern church today. People have tried all kinds of religions. People have tried all kinds of things out there. But when they come into the real church and see the real God, oftentimes you see them in church, they're speechless. They're crying and they're like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'll never forget when I was in Bible college, I was in our corral and we went to a restaurant after a service one night and the uh, manager said, why don't, why don't you all just kind of sing? I, I, want my, I want singing in my restaurant. And we all began to just kind of sing a cappella, just one of our songs, just simply. And all the other customers in the restaurant turned around and thought that's sweet. Some of them were kind of annoyed at that. But there was one girl, one of the servers, she came out from the back and came up and just put her hands over her mouth and just did this the entire time. And she sobbed. And uh, some of the ladies in her school went up to and talked to her and they said, why are you crying? She says, I have no idea. I've just never... She said, it sounds amazing, but I have never felt something so beautiful as that. And they said, the reason you feel that, it's not our music, but it's rather the God we're singing about. And we started praying with her. And before it was all said and done, she was baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost by the sign of speaking in other tongues. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you don't really have to go right into a big, deep Bible study to touch somebody's heart. Amen. Did not Jesus say, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. And if we can just entertain the presence of God and have the presence of God with us, God will take care of that alone. Sometimes it's not just a deep Bible study, but just the presence of God will convince somebody that, hey, God is with you. God is among you and I'm hungry for more. Tell me how I can have what you have. Amen. Praise God. Well, she took the report back to Ethiopia and no doubt told her entire kingdom about it. And something that was probably peculiar to her, you see the pagan temples, the pagan kings all throughout the land, they had eunuchs that served them. They had eunuchs that would serve them to avoid problems, if you know what I mean. But in the house of the Lord in the Old Testament, a eunuch could not approach the presence of God. A eunuch could not approach the temple of God. It says in Deuteronomy 23, him who is emasculated shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Neither could anybody who had maybe one blind eye or perhaps a broken bone or a limp or some sort of deformity. Nobody like that could enter into the house of the Lord. Because the Old Testament time, the tabernacle was to be a picture of heaven. Is there any blinded eyes in heaven? No. Is there any deaf ears in heaven? No. Are there any lame in heaven? No. In heaven, everything is perfect. Everything is in order. And that's why the temple was to represent that. It's one of the reasons why we believe in divine healing. One of the reasons why we have miracles around here. It is because the powers of heaven have come down to us and they are within reach. They are within our grasp. And whenever we see healings, you are getting a glimpse of heaven. This story of the Queen of Sheba, Candace, being so overcome, or excuse me, Sheba, not Candace, Candace comes later, the Queen of Sheba being so overcome 
was so special that even Jesus referenced it in his teaching. He said that the queen of the south, which is Sheba, she shall rise up and judge this generation because there is a greater than Solomon in here right now. In other words, Jesus is saying Solomon in his glory caused Sheba, the Ethiopian queen, to repent. But I am here and I am greater than Solomon and what I have offered is greater than anything she ever saw and none of you have repented. She will rise up in judgment and be able to say, I saw what I saw and repented. Therefore, you should have repented seeing what you have seen. That's right. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 something that baffled Israel in that day. He said, I welcome the eunuchs into my kingdom. Those who are born eunuch at birth or done by men or by themselves, he who can accept this, let him accept it. That would have been very peculiar to Israelites hearing that at that time because like I said, according to the law in Deuteronomy, the eunuch could not enter the presence of God. The eunuch could not come near to the Lord. But Jesus Christ came opening the kingdom of heaven to everybody. Amen. The lame now can come into the temple. The blind can now come into the temple. Amen. And of course, the eunuch could now come into the temple. They observed circumcision, but the eunuch stuff, they did not quite grasp. And this is something that you see in the books of Acts. Slowly but surely, it goes from being a part of the Orthodox Jewish community to becoming open to the entire Gentile, Gentile world. This was a prophecy by Messiah that he would become a light to the Gentiles who sat in darkness. Those who practiced the rituals, those who practiced the mutilation, those who practiced all of those things, trying to get close to the Lord, but never finding anything, anything to connect them with Jesus. When Jesus comes, when he shows up, those who felt abandoned by God now feel accepted by God because it is true love. Those who felt like they could never have anything to do with God, amen, when they feel his love and his acceptance, amen, they're welcome into the church of the Lord. In the last 10 years, probably the story that I probably referenced the most, and here in other places I go, we had a man come and visit this church, and I was uh, out there greeting. Uh, I was out greeting tonight, and a few people, when they walked up the door, almost had to take a double look, like, oh my goodness, Brother Justin, you're at the front doors. That's because it's so nice out there. You know, it's been kind of cold, and when it's cold, I kind of hang out here around the altar, you know, but when it gets nice out there, I want to go outside and, you know, say hello to everybody. But one, one spring, we had a man come in, and he comes up to the door, and he kind of tiptoes, and he's holding onto the door handle, and I said, are you okay? He said, I'm okay. He said, I haven't set foot in the church in years. And I said, explain. He said, he said, the reason why I don't come to church is because I've done a lot of bad things in my life. And I feel like if I were to come into this church, the roof would collapse on me. And you laugh because, you, you know, that's funny because, you know, judging by some of our past stories, the roof should have collapsed on us a long time ago. But the mercies of the Lord have kept us from being caved in on or the earth opening up. And you know what I did? <clears throat> I said, sir, the word of wisdom came on me and I pointed to a few people there in the narthex. And I said, right there is a former uh, drug, drug addict. Right there is a former alcoholic. That person right there used to battle with uh, various alternative lifestyles. This person over here did this and this and this. And I said, we've got a lot of people that have done a lot of bad stuff, have served time in prison. Don't have a good, exact, clean, exactly a clean record. 
And you wouldn't know it looking at them because of what God has done and what God has changed. I said, if they can all be in here at the same time, and this, it was so funny. I'm like, right down the other, I'm like, my goodness, man, we got some bad folks in here. Man. <laughs> Such were some of you. And I just watched as this man began to tear up and he let go of the door handle and he took a few steps in and he took a deep breath and let it all out. He was like, thank you, God, for not killing me. You know, that's probably why the queen of Sheba fainted because she knew she was a sinful woman. She knew she was an evil woman. That's why you read about people in the Bible when they would come to Jesus, they would just sob and just weep because the average person out there feels like God is angry at them. And they don't feel welcome in the house of the Lord. They look at us and how far we have come and how great our lives are. And they feel like that is unattainable and it's untouchable. They feel like they can't get into it. Most people feel that way. They feel like they could never have a walk with God. They could never understand the Bible. They could never have anything to do with God. That's why they typically only come on Easter. Because they feel like they understand that. That's why they only come maybe around Christmas time because they feel like they can understand it, but to come regularly, they're not meant for it. They could never have God that deep and that in touch with him. And that is the story of this eunuch. You notice he's coming to the house of the Lord during one of the feasts. He's coming during tabernacles or he's coming during unleavened bread or weeks or one of those. He's kind of a distant Hebrew, a distant Jew in his own mind. Probably wanted to go experience the same experiences that Sheba had. He was a servant of the great queen Candace. Candace in the ancient Coptic language means the queen mother. A very large, large territory. And he was the keeper of the treasury. He was a man of status very, very high authority in the Ethiopian kingdom. But because he was a eunuch, he could not approach the temple. He had to stay in the back and watch from afar off, probably not being able to experience much, probably not able to have a powerful experience like maybe one of his predecessors in the past, the queen of Sheba, in riding on the way back, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came to Philip and said, go and overtake that chariot. This is really interesting to me that God says, go overtake that chariot. It means go overpower it. Stop it. You tell that chariot where to go and where not to go and what to do. You go and take authority over that situation. I now put you in control of that. Because the Lord looked down out of heaven and saw a man who was hungry for truth. A man who went on a far journey to find truth. A man who was reading his Bible looking for truth. And the Lord said through the angel to Philip the evangelist, overtake that chariot. One of my favorite resources to study the Bible is a Bible concordance. Concordances are great. And now I have study Bibles, I have commentary. But in the recent years, I've kind of given up on them. And I tell you what, you want to learn your Bible. If you come across a scripture, look for particular words that really kind of jump out you, jump out at you, get a concordance and see where other instances appear. 
Chariots are really interesting in the Bible. You have Moses in Israel who were up against the Red Sea and the Egyptians were coming against them in their chariots. And the Bible says that Moses stretched out his staff and the, and the angel and the cloud and fired all of that came in front of them and blocked Pharaoh and his chariots. And then the chariots, uh, when, when the cloud lifts and they try to go through the Red Sea, all of a sudden their chariot wheels break off. You have chariots falling apart. You then have later on in the Bible, Elijah. Elijah outruns Ahab's chariot, completely outruns the chariot. And then you have Elisha on the mountain and the young lad who was with him was afraid because of the, the, the armies of the enemies. And Elisha said, Lord, open up his eyes. And he did and he saw chariots of fire. You look throughout the Bible, anytime there's chariots, they're breaking apart. The people of God are outrunning them. They're dodging them. They're escaping them. But in the New Testament, it's not get away from them. It's get as close to them as you can. Overtake them. Overpower them. That's the spirit you see in the New Testament. Old Testament was get away. Don't go near. Stay apart. In the New Testament, it's, oh, go near to the lepers. Go near to the unclean. Because the unclean can no longer make the clean unclean, but rather the clean now makes the unclean clean. It's us bringing what we are upon them. And that's why the Holy Ghost uses the language, overtake that chariot. Get near that Gentile. Figure out what he's doing. And Philip, who knew the Bible, a mighty teacher and preacher, a great evangelist, comes forward and he hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading, not from a pagan book, not from some astrology, not witchcraft or something that the Ethiopians would have done. Instead, he was reading scripture he was very familiar with, the writings of Isaiah, the prophet who saw Messiah more than any other prophet. And he heard him reading. And the eunuch said to him, can you help me understand what I am reading? Can you help me learn what the Bible is speaking to me? Can you learn, can you help me understand this? And Philip does that. There are two principles here that I believe the Lord shows his people. And when God speaks to us to overtake a situation, to make a disciple, to minister, to bring the kingdom of God to a situation, there's two things that we must do. And that is learn to be led of the spirit and learn to minister the word of God. The most common question I get is, Brother Justin, how do I hear the voice of God? I'm not so sure I like that question. How do you hear? Well, it's how you hear anything. You listen. I think a better question is, what does the voice of God sound like? Or perhaps, what does the leading of the Lord look like? Let's talk about what the voice of the Lord sounds like. God does speak audibly to people. He has to some of you. But for the most part, God talks through his spirit. You cannot hear the spirit with your natural ears. You can only hear the spirit through your spiritual ears. I want you right now to say your first and last name in your brain, not with your mouth, in your brain. Can you say it? You just heard your voice in your soul. You just heard your voice in your subconscious. Now, imagine that same thing happening, but it's not your voice. It comes from nowhere. That right there is how the voice of God works. It's primarily in what I call 
audible thought. That's right. I feel like there's light bulbs going on right now. Some of you are like, ah, that's what that is. That's what's been going on. It takes a while, well, maybe not a while, but it takes a little bit of trial and error to figure that out, what the voice of God sounds like. And you know what? It's not really loud. I think a lot of us imagine the voice of God being like, hello, listen here now, my people. You ever been around and try to have a conversation with somebody that yells right in your face? Very difficult to talk to those loud people, right? God's not obnoxious. God is not rude. He's got the best people skills you've ever seen. And when he talks, he doesn't yell. But instead, he's right there. And he talks in a normal tone of voice like anybody else. And it will almost sound like another human being. But it's not because it's being spoken in your spirit. And it usually won't be a big, long paragraph. It'll usually just be a simple phrase or a simple sentence. And it will be gentle and peaceful. You can have a lot on your mind. A lot of crazy things going on. All of the business, all of the responsibilities, all of the stress and this and that. And just one little simple word from God. It's like you forget about it all. The voice of God has its ability to become as clear as any thought that you have ever had. The voice of God speaks to everybody, but primarily those who read this. I'd really never heard the voice of the Lord, but when I started diving into this, you will be amazed at what the Spirit will speak to you after you develop a relationship with your Bible. Because God's voice will sound a lot like the Bible. It will feel a lot like the Bible. And i tell you who else God really speaks to. It is those who really love preaching. Who really get into that sermon. Who really get into that message. Who really hang on to it. Because if you love this and you love this, God's going to look at that and say, okay, if they love that, they're going to love me talking to them. And that's really what connected Philip to attract the attention of angels and to attract the voice of God. So much so, God's saying, leave where you're at, chase after that chariot. That's not normal. Who does stuff like that? Who finds themselves in a situation like that out into the desert? Only somebody who is like that with God. Somebody who knows his word, loves his voice, loves the preaching, and is kingdom-minded. That's how you're going to have the supernatural things in the book of Acts happen to you here in the year 2021. I think the most common apprehension to people not wanting to get involved in ministry is the fear of what if somebody asks me something that I don't know? What if I'm teaching the Bible and they ask me something that I just don't know and I, I, don't, I don't have the answer? Can I tell you this? You can ask pastor, you can ask brother Gary, you can ask me, you can ask any minister, any Bible teacher, any Sunday school teacher out there. All of us on a regular basis get asked questions that we don't know. And you know what? There just comes a point when you just have to not care about being asked a question you don't 
No. But I tell you what's going to impress them if, if you're honest and you say, I don't know. You want to lose their interest, start putting out, making up stuff. Word salad. Blah, 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 blah. You know, they're going to go, what? Okay, bye. But if you say, that is a great question. I've never been asked that. You are a special person. It takes a brilliant mind to have that type of question. Affirm that. They're going to like it. And you know what? They're going to be patient with you until you find an answer. And if you tell them you're going to find an answer, God will help you to find an answer. And you're probably going to get a new revelation and have something really great to preach and teach someday. Come on, somebody. Philip, right here, in, right here in this place, was able to interpret the Scripture in a way like no other. God opened his understanding in that moment and ministered the Bible in a way that had never been done before to a certain individual, a eunuch. He's reading in the book of Isaiah. The Bible says that Philip began to preach exactly where he was reading in Isaiah. Isaiah 53 and 9. It says he died and was buried among the wicked and the rich. You know what Philip was able to say? Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus, foresaw him hanging on a cross between two thieves. That was fulfilled. He said not only that, but he saw him buried in Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man's tomb. Prophecy fulfilled as a confirmation. He probably would have went on in Isaiah 53. He was numbered with the transgressors, bore the sin of mankind. And Philip would have taught him about the sacrificial lambs, how the priests would have laid hands on those lambs and pronounced all of the sin upon, of Israel upon that lamb. He was said in the same manner, when Jesus hung on that cross, he became sin for all of us. You and I should have been on that cross. We should have been dying on that cross for our sins, but the Lord took all of our sins upon himself on that cross. Praise God. He probably would have kept going. Isaiah 55 in verse 1. The Bible says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. That sounds a lot to me like baptism. That sounds a lot to me like being filled with the Holy Ghost. Philip would have taught him those things. Something else, Isaiah 56, verses 4 through 5. I would like to think that Philip really focused on this. Isaiah foresaw that eunuchs, he says it, eunuchs are promised a place and name in God's house. An everlasting name. This is Isaiah. This is Old Testament. The book of the religious Jews, the elite. And Philip here is preaching Jesus to him from this book saying Messiah would come suffer for the sins of the world reach out to everybody including eunuchs just like you you can imagine now why this eunuch said there's water right here out of nowhere the Bible says eunuchs are saved I'm in a desert water appears out of nowhere it's time for me to be baptized the signs are here the miracle is here how did you even overtake my chariot he was overcome with the moment, overcome with all of the factors that all of a sudden were put in place. He said, I cannot say no. I cannot go home without this Jesus. And he was baptized right then and there. Hallelujah. That is book of Acts. And it all started with Philip just starting to run. 
I don't know how fast a chariot could go back then. It was really going. A lot of horses, I don't know, 40 miles an hour. Pretty fast. A human being cannot run that fast, especially back then in the desert, the mountains. But he just started running and supernaturally, he just got there and was able to overtake the chariot. In this season and in this time, I believe that God is raising up the apostolic church to overtake chariots in supernatural ways, in ways we never thought about before. You and I are the loyal and the faithful. You and I are the ones that don't care about touching doorknobs. Most of us in here are probably done with our masks. Most of us in here are, you know, COVID-19, ah, whatever, you know. That's just kind of how we feel and think about it for the most of us. But did you know there's a great portion out there that are still hunkered down in their house? They're high risk. They're not ready to get out completely. A different foreign idea to us. But they watch us online. It's not huge, but we have grown quite a significant amount of people in the last four, 12 months, 14 months, by simply these two cameras right here. We never really had a big social media presence. I mean, we did, pod, one of the first apostolic churches to ever have podcasts, but we said we want to take it a step further. And we got the cameras. And you know what we did up here on this mountain where we really don't have great internet access. This is still not a place, you know, that is highly developed and stuff like that, but we're working on it and doing the best that we can. But just simply setting up these cameras and getting staff back there, we have been able to get inside of homes that we never could have before. We have been able to take the message that we have to areas in this city we never thought of before. It's people that are not only trying to take care of their health, but people who feel like they're not worthy to come into the presence of God because they have things about their life, like a eunuch. They feel like, I could never come there. I could never understand this. I could never, I could never experience what those people experience. I'm just an outsider. I stand in the back and observe. I could never have it for me. I like to just see other Christians be blessed, but it's not for me. Can I tell you what? God has invaded people's worlds through their phones. He has been invading people's world, their chariots, their laptops, their smart TVs during this pandemic. Because we as a church said, we're not going to just sit idly by, but the Spirit of God said, overtake the chariots of this world and bring my gospel to somebody. Praise God. Think about it right now. What chariot were you in when somebody overtook you? My chariot was a Game Boy when I was about seven years old in church. Oh, I was a little Ninja Turtle then. You know, conquering the sewers. I was little Link trying to save Zelda the princess. I was Mario smashing mushrooms. I was in my own little world. I was in my own little chariot. But the preacher closed his Bible and gave the altar call. And I'll never forget the sound of that Bible closing in that microphone and the sound of people standing up and moving forward in the altar. Something gripped my heart in that moment. I wasn't even paying attention to that service. But it was the presence of God and just the sound of a closed Bible gripped my heart in that moment.
Some of us, our chariot was the bar stool. Some of us, it was the drug house. Some of us, it was somewhere way off. Some of us, it was here. Some of it was there. But in some way, in some fashion, somebody or something caught up to us and overtook our chariot. And through the presence of God and the love of God and the grace of God and the word of God, it spoke to us and said, there's water. I've got to be baptized. I've got to be saved. Thank you, Lord, for overtaking us in our chariots. Praise God. The musicians would please come. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Beginning of what the Queen of Sheba experienced led to something great. And there's still a remnant of it to this day. The great apostle, Billy Cole, if you're a newer disciple and you've never heard that name, write it down and look him up on YouTube and other places. You'll want to hear him preach. He was something. You know, I mean, he'd tell you this, he was an overweight man. A very simple man. He called himself a hillbilly from West Virginia. He didn't speak the best English, per se. He didn't really have it, it seemed like, all together. His preaching was actually really simple. Can I tell you, the hand of the Lord was upon that man. And when you were around him, when you were with him, when you watch him preach, it's not just Brother Cole there. But you feel and see God even through videos of him. And he's been gone now for over 10 years. I'll never forget when I was a little boy and he came to this city to do a Holy Ghost rally. I was 10 years old and I watched him in the pulpit as he began to make the altar call. And we all gathered to the front. We were all going to pray. And people who were seeking for the Holy Spirit were going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said those famous words. He said, by the authority of the word of God and by the power of of the name of Jesus. And at 10 years old, my eyes were open in that moment, in that altar call. And I watched when Brother Cole said, power, it looked like a thousand stars came out of his mouth and sat down in the altar. And everybody who sought for the Holy Ghost received the spirit that night. He was a powerful man of God. He went to Ethiopia and began to do Holy Ghost crusades. You can see the videos of it. And in one moment, in one crusade, half a million Ethiopians received the gift of the Holy Ghost as God gave the utterance. Bishop Edwin Harper and many others are witnesses of that to this day. Things like that seem to be impossible. Ministries like that seem to be unattainable. But let me tell you what, if you learn the voice of God and you learn his word, he will send you to places you never thought you could run to to do things you never thought you could. And there's those of us in this room, we're hungry for revival. We're hungry to see the 9 a.m. filled up. We're hungry to see the 11 a.m. service on Sundays filled up. We're hungry to see Wednesday nights here filled up. And we're wondering, how can we do it? How are we gonna do it? It seems like we're here and the world is way over there and there's this great barrier between us and we wanna be separate from them. How are we gonna do it? It's through overtaking the chariots of this world. It's stopping people in the coffee shops. It's taking a moment with a co-worker. It's somebody that you may be in a Zoom meeting with and you just send them a private message. The Lord moves something on your heart and you just say, hey, this meeting's boring. Yeah, ha ha. Hey, the Lord just spoke to me. Are you doing okay? 
And all of a sudden, right in the middle of that chat, the person's like, I'm not doing okay. Can you please? And right in the middle of it, people are, you and them are starting to cry and you're praying for them and everybody else in the meeting is like, what is going on? And with those, you know, you never know what can happen. You never know where God can send you. There are things that we can do to reach the hungry today like this eunuch. Seek God experiences. Want them. Be willing to journey wherever the Lord sends you. Search out the scripture. If they invite you into their life, be sure you take that invitation and stay there as long as you can and teach and preach them the gospel. God wants to give us witnesses. God wants to give us testimonies. He wants the live church to be the city set up on a hill right here on View High Mountain. Amen. Can we all stand tonight? Praise the Lord. Many in this world have been dismembered spiritually to serve the prince of this world. Many have lost their innocence. They have lost their dignity. Their minds and hearts have been destroyed by sin. Their joy has been stripped away by years of dysfunction. Hopes and dreams have been shattered. And they're looking for something. They know it's not in this world, but there's something greater, something higher, something more powerful. And you and I have got the answer. It is this Jesus that we preach. Now is the time of salvation. Nothing hinders anybody from the kingdom of God. And in this end time, I want to run quick. I want to overtake the chariot. I want to tell somebody about the Lord. I want to be used of the Lord. I want to be able to tell the story of what God did. And I know you do too. If you're just hungry, amen, to do something mighty for God in this day and this time, I just invite you to come around the altar right now to become empowered. Amen. To become full of faith. Amen. For those of you that are ready to start hearing the word of the Lord, tonight is your night. For those of you, amen, that want to partner with angels, and I mean that. Angels aren't just for preachers. They're not just for people up here on the pulpit. Oh, no, they are for everybody. For the angels are sent to minister to the saints. And if you identify as a saint, the angels want to work with you. I want to invite you, amen, to come and say, Lord, whatever Philip had, I want it. Whatever Philip accomplished, amen, I want to be it. I want to move in it, serve in it. Hallelujah. Fall in love with preaching. Fall in love with the Bible. Fall in love with it. Oh, the Lord is going to send you. The Lord will move upon you to go to places you never thought you could, to catch up with somebody you never thought you could catch up with. And even tonight, the Lord has placed somebody on your mind and your heart. Have faith. Don't fear their face. Don't fear their words. But have faith in what can be done through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody call out to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're coming through COVID-19. We're coming through this. People are starting to move again. People are starting to travel again. People are coming out of isolation again. People are becoming more open again. Hallelujah.
church was a praying church. Somebody lift up your voice right now and pray. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, we need your power. We need your power. We need your power to overtake this world. Hallelujah, hallelujah.